Amen. We're glad you're here on this Resurrection Sunday. Everybody grab your hymn book now. Stand to your feet. Let's stand and sing. Brother Ken's going to come lead us now. Let's worship the Lord. Brother Ken. Amen. In your blue songbook this morning, page number 31, he lives. We'll sing the first verse, chorus, second and third verse, then the chorus. That's page number 31 this morning, he lives. I serve a risen Savior, he's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever men may say. Sunday, let me give you just a couple of very quick prayer requests. Uh, I want you to continue to pray for Sister Alice Campbell with her sur surgery. Pardon me. She's here this morning. Lift your hand up, Miss Alice. We're glad to see you. Had surgery on Monday, but she's here with us today. And, of course, continue to pray for Brother Robert and Sister Vicki Turner. For those of you who may be visiting with us, they were in a very tragic accident out, uh, accident out on Figsboro Road. And... Uh, 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 Robert's got 10 broken ribs, two, both collarbones broken, his back is broken, uh, uh, but he, uh, he's still kicking hard, so pray for Robert if you would, and of course continue to lift up Vicky as well. We're looking for a good time in God's house today, amen? I'm going to ask James to take us to the throne of grace. You join James this morning as we pray together. Come on, pray for us, buddy. Our Father and our God, we thank you for allowing us to be here today. Father, first of all, we thank you for a church uh, that is here, Lord, at this place. Lord, thank you for the body of believers that meets here. Father, we thank you for this day that we commemorate. Lord, thank you for what it reminds us that we do, in fact, serve a Savior who has defeated death, who has risen. Father, we thank you for that, Lord. Father, we thank you for the fact of that uh, resurrection. Father, we know that if Christ were not raised, then our faith would be worthless. But, Lord, thank you that he is, in fact, risen. He has ascended to your right hand. Father, we praise your name for this. 
Lord, we thank you for the salvation that you provided for, the, uh, for us. Lord, we thank you for the forgiveness of sins that we have. Father, on this Resurrection Sunday, we do pray, first of all, that you would help us to worship you, Father, in spirit and in truth. Help us to think about your son and the price he paid for us and how he has conquered every uh, enemy, Father, that we may face. Father, then secondly, we, we pray that if any here have never trusted your son as their Savior, Father, we pray that today would be the day of their salvation. Father, we can never thank you enough. We love you, and it's through your son we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. You pray for the choir now. This song is a beautiful song written by Kyla. I hope it will bless your heart. There arose a lamb in Jerusalem. You listen now as the choir sings. It was the third.
morning. All the thousands of years of sacrifices could never compare to the one sacrifice that was made on Calvary 2,000 years ago. You listen now to the choir sings the last blood. I hope it will bless your heart.
Thank you so much, choir. Wonderful job, wonderful job. Let me give you some announcements very quickly. First of all, we want to welcome you out to our services today. We appreciate you coming out on Resurrection Sunday. Love to see God's house filled on, the, uh, on this special day. We appreciate you being with us. Uh, again, some quick announcements. We have a new item there, folks, for our church folks, for our Grace Network collection that we do April, May, and June. We call your attention to that. We've got... Uh, places where you can put that both in the main vestibule and in our side vestibule. So help us out with that if you would. And, of course, if you haven't signed up to help with the grounds this year, gentlemen, uh, you can see Miss Leanne, Brother Mike uh, Smith, about that. Uh, also still looking for one more junior church couple, if you would, a teacher uh, and a helper. And uh, qualifications are listed there. want to remind all the teens and young adults, today's the last day to sign up for our upcoming teen conference this year. That will be in Gatlinburg, June 25th through the 29th. Uh, call stay is uh, noted there. Uh, we'll also be having a, a golf tournament to help with the expenses. We'll give you some more information about that in coming weeks. That will be in June this year, so keep that in mind, helping uh, offset some of those costs. This is a new announcement. Uh, this coming Saturday... Uh, the Joyful Sounds, which are frequent guests here at our church. We love the Joyful Sounds. Miss Annie, Brother Tim, Miss Dottie, they will be celebrating their 35th anniversary of singing together, and they're having a special concert that they have invited our church to. Uh, that will be this coming Saturday down at uh, Shining Light Baptist Church. The concert begins at 5 o'clock. And then they will have a refreshments following the concert. If you would like to ride with us, we're going to take our van. We'll leave from here at the church at 3.30. And just so we'll know how many we need to take, whether we need to take one or two vans, we're going to ask you to sign up. I've got the clipboard here that will be out in our postal area. Or if you don't get to the clipboard, you can let Miss Renee know, and we'll add you to that. You'll have a wonderful, wonderful time, whether you be a senior saint, teenager, whatever it is. You'll have a great time. I will tell you this, uh, just to put a smile on your face, I share with the choir already this morning, uh, Annie from the Joyful Sounds said, ask my wife to make both a centerpiece uh, for their concert as well as a big backdrop to put in their uh, uh, baptistry uh, there at Shining Light. And you know, if my wife's going to touch it, it's going to be inundated with glitter. Well, my wife's been working on it for a week and a half, both of them, got a spectacular backdrop that she's put together, absolutely gorgeous. We had to go our separate ways. We had different errands to run yesterday. Uh, and so I came in. She had not gotten home yet. And the backdrop that she had made had flopped over and was laying in the kitchen floor. It's safe. It's fine. It's good. But I picked it up, and, there, and it looks like the jolly green glitter giant threw up all over my kitchen floor. <clears throat> so I looked at my wife, and I said, never again. She smiled and said, watch me. Amen. <laughs> You come and join us uh, next Saturday, this coming Saturday, on April the 7th. You'll have a great time. And then uh, don't forget you senior saints that are going to the uh, dinner theater for our senior saint trip. Your money is due today. And if you have not signed up for that, that sign-up sheet is also in our post area. You sign up today. Make your checks to SAGBC. Give that to uh, Brother and Sister Upchurch. And then as we've mentioned a couple of weeks, uh, we've, we're helping a needy family uh, that's got a 19-month-old boy and a 36-month-old boy. All the information is listed there. Uh, we're going to extend that by two more weeks because we were out last week with the unexpected snowstorm. So help us out with that if you would. All of those items uh, go in Brother Ken's outer office. 
Then uh, I'll remind you that today is, of course, the day we do our Judas bag or our special offering. That is to benefit our uh, parking lot expansion, which also includes the new sign as well. So if you brought that in today, you just put that in the regular offering. If you did not bring it in today, of course, being out last week, we're not able to remind you of that. You can bring that in at any time during the month of April. But let's not kid ourselves. There's never a time where we won't take money. Amen. And then also want to call your attention to the fact a wedding shower uh, for Brooke Cassidy and her fiancé Justin Lloyd will be Saturday, April the 14th from 12 to 2. Uh, the information is listed in there. We invite everybody to come join us for that. Of course, Brooke grew up uh, in the church. Uh, we don't got her teaching degree now having starting a family of her own. So you uh, help us out with that if you would, please. A reminder that on Easter Sunday night, we don't do Sunday evening services. Uh, we know families get together. We encourage that. Uh, however, that just means we get to have a nice long Sunday morning service. Amen. All right, let me get all the little ones to come up this morning, if you would, please. If you're heading to Children's Church, Junior Church, Nursery, we invite you to make your way down. This goes up through fifth grade. So if you're a fifth grader, you make your way down, fifth grade and below. And they're going to come around visitors and collect any loose change that you've got. We call this our Penny March, and it helps support our ladies and children's programming here at the church. Take off, young folks. heading to Children's Church, Junior Church, up through fifth grade. Come on, make your way this morning. Sixth grade, I'm sorry, sixth grade.
watching all these kids go out, I was reminded of a little story somebody sent me a couple of weeks ago. A six-year-old went to his mother after church, and the mother said, Sweetheart, what did you learn in Sunday school this morning? And uh, the six-year-old little girl named Stephanie said, Well, Mama, I learned about the bear that had the cross eyes. And the teacher or the mother looked at it and said, I, I don't think I know about that. And she said, yeah, we sang a song about her. We, you've heard about her. And, and her name was Gladly. And, and, and Stephanie's mother said, honey, I don't, I don't think I know that song. She said, yeah, we sing it in church all the time, Gladly, the cross-eyed bear. Amen. <laughs> You'll get that on the way home. All right, fellas, come on and make your way down this morning, if you would, please. Brother Scott, come get ready to sing for us. Aren't you glad Jesus is alive and well? Say amen. Serve a risen Savior. Let's pray. Ask God's blessings upon the offering this morning. If you brought your special Judas bags or your special building fund, drop it in uh, with the offering this morning. Lord, thank you for the day. Thank you more importantly for what it stands for. We're sure honored to be in your house today. We count it a privilege to come and celebrate the fact that Jesus is alive and well. Bless Brother Scott as he sings the offering today. May it be exactly what you'd have it to be in Christ's name. Amen. It was a long dark night in Jerusalem. You could almost hear the sound of evil laughter in the air. The Prince of Darkness boasted of his trophy in the grave and the power that it took to put him but the Sunday sun came up, showing Jesus was gone. There could be no doubt from that moment on. Lord of life, he's alive, triumphant and alive again, proving death was not the end.
Amen. Let's all stand together one more time. Page number two this morning. Glory to his name. We'll sing that first verse and chorus. Have us a time of fellowship. Page number two this morning. Glory to his name. Down at the cross where my Savior died. Down where from cleansing from sin I cried. There at the cross where... I will sing all verses at one time. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. There to my heart was a blood applied. Glory to his name. Amen. Shake hands for a while.
Amen. Thank you so much as always. Thank you so much. In addition, in addition to this being Resurrection Sunday, this is a special day in another way as well. Josh and Jesse have requested uh, that today be the day that they dedicate baby Dexter to the Lord. Amen. Yeah. So before we do the missions offering, we're going to do this, and then we'll do the missions offering. We'll get into the Word this morning. I want to read a few verses to you uh, about why we do baby dedications, what this is all about. This is not a christening. This is not a baptism. We're not baptizing them into the faith or anything like this. This is actually uh, in deference or in reference to what Scripture says in 1 Samuel chapter number 1. If you know the story there, there's a beautiful mother or mother-to-be, a, a wife, by the name of Hannah. Hannah had prayed and prayed and prayed and had not conceived a child. And so she makes a prayer to the Lord, and it's a beautiful, beautiful prayer, promising uh, that if the Lord would allow her to conceive a child, she would dedicate that child to the service of the Lord. And so, uh, God answered that prayer and gave her a child that she named Samuel. And in 1 Samuel chapter number 1, verse 20, it says, Wherefore it came to pass that the time was come about after Hannah had conceived, that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Behold, I have asked him of the Lord. And the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow, and that's Samuel's father, Hannah's husband. Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned, and I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever. Elkanah, her husband, said unto her, Do what seemeth good, tarry, until thou have weaned him, only the Lord established his word. So the woman abode and gave her son suck until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bullocks, one ephah of flour, a bottle of wine, brought him into the house of the Lord in Shiloh. The child was young. They slew a bullock, brought the child to Eli. Eli's the priest. And she said, listen now, O my Lord, as my soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the Lord. Verse 27, beautiful word. She said, for this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord as long as he liveth. He shall be lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. That passage, beautiful picture of Hannah who begs God for a child. God answers that prayer, and she keeps her promise by handing the child back to God and allowing God to use his life. Whenever a couple comes to me 
and asks if they can dedicate their child to the Lord, I always say absolutely, but we're going we're gonna to deviate from Scripture by one way. Naturally, their eyes always perk up, and I say in Scripture, when a child was dedicated to the Lord, it's left at the tabernacle to be tended to by the priests. We ain't doing that. Amen. But we are always honored to dedicate a child to the Lord. And that simply means that the parents are making a commitment. And their commitment, and they do so in front of God and in front of a congregation of believers. And their commitment is this. Lord, we will raise our child in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. I often say, it, as Scripture says, it's better to never make a promise to God than make a promise and break it. Scripture tells us that. So oftentimes, we see parents who want to go through the ceremony of dedicating their child to the Lord. The ceremony will be over in a few moments. The commitment lasts a lifetime. So they take this commitment in front of God, in front of everyone here today, and we're going to hold them to it. So Josh and Jesse, and if any grandparents are here, I want grandparents to come up as well. Y'all come on today. Come on up. <clears throat> Ain't it cute? He matches his daddy. Got a yellow suit and everything. <clears throat> so I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with us today. We're going to pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you today thanking you for what Josh and Jesse have decided to do. Lord, we recognize that this commitment is just that. It is a promise to God. A promise that they will raise the child with which you've blessed them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Lord, we recognize the fact that as trials come and difficulties arise, it's easy to get frustrated. It's easy to get angry. It's easy to turn our backs upon God. Yet on this day, April the 1st, 2018, I pray that you'd seal in Josh and Jesse's heart the reminder that they have promised this child to God. Lord, I pray now for Dexter. Lord, thank you for a healthy delivery. Thank you that there were no problems, no complications. And Lord, we thank you for the simple reminder that children are a gift from God. Yet they are a gift that is to be given back. Lord, I pray that you would save him at an early age. Lord, I pray that you would, through the preaching of the word in church, through the life lived by his parents, show him at an early age his need of a savior. Lord, we're so honored. We're so blessed to be reminded of the gifts that you've given us. Lord, I pray for the grandparents. I pray that you would strengthen them to be the example that Josh and Jesse need, the example that Dexter needs to be reminded that all good gifts come from God, that we are commanded to praise you for everything that you've done for us. Lord, bless Josh, bless Jesse, bless the grandparents, and most of all, bless Dexter. And again, we ask you save him, Lord, at an early age. We'll thank you, and we'll praise you in Christ's name. Amen.
Josh and Jesse, would you let them know it? Amen. Thank you, God. Precious, precious, precious. It's one of my favorite things to do. One of my favorite things to do. Nothing like a parent wanting to give their child over to the Lord and be reminded of that importance. All right, fellas, make your way down today, if you would. This is the first Sunday of the month. And if you're a visitor with us, we collect a special offering the first Sunday of the month. And in addition, we give 13% of tithes and offerings to our missionaries. This allows us to put 70-plus missionaries on the field. And we're deeply honored by the work that God allows us to do in this capacity. So you give as under the Lord. Lord, bless the missions offering. May it be what you'd have it to be. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to support the missionaries now in Christ's name. Amen. chapter number 20 this morning in your Bibles, if you would please. John chapter number 20 today. John chapter number 20 this morning. We're going to give you today the third in a series of four messages that have been centered around uh, Resurrection Sunday. Two weeks ago, we talked about the trial of Christ in a message that we called the condemnation of the king. Since it snowed on Sunday and we were not able to have services on Wednesday night, we looked at the very foundation of our faith in a message that we call the crucifixion of the king. And today we want to talk to you about that greatest day in all of history. That greatest day that changed all the fabric of mankind. The day when our Savior defeated death, hell, and the grave. In a message that I'm entitling, The Conquest of the King. The Conquest of the King. There are a lot of verses that I want us to take a look at this morning, so we'll not read them all up front. Let's read just a few of them, beginning in chapter 20. Start with me, if you would please, in verse number 1. And to begin with, we'll just read down through verse number 10. The first day of the week, which we know is Sunday, cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. But then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter, to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and we know that to be John. And saith unto them, They have taken 
away the Lord out of the sepulcher. And we know not where they have laid him. Peter, therefore, went forth, and that other disciple, and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter, and came first to the sepulcher. And he, stooping down, looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him, and went into the sepulcher, and seeth the linen clothes lie, and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. They went in also, then went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again unto their own house. I'll remind you that in those first ten verses... The disciples do not recognize, Mary Magdalene nor the other women do not recognize the fact that an empty tomb meant a risen Savior. They're not cognizant of the fact that the empty tomb means that Jesus is alive. They simply believe that the body has been stolen. Let's pray. Lord, bless the reading of your word. Thank you for this day, for what it stands for. Lord, I pray your blessings upon our services in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. I have to tell you, when I saw Jake taking the child out, every time I see a parent taking a child back out, I, I have a flashback to, to the days when my own child was young, my own son. Uh, some of you have heard this, but... I like sharing it because I have no greater joy in my adult life than to embarrass my teenage children. Amen. There are few things, in, he's not a teenager, but there are few things in the world that make me happier than bringing shame and reproach upon my kids. Amen. When my, children, when my son was little, he was, he was a bit of a holy terror. And, and, and he sat with me at Wayside before we, we took Amazing Grace. I sat on this side with the bus kids that, that my brother-in-law and I had, Renee played the piano, and so when, when she would get done with the piano and would go over, I would let James go over to, to, to sit with his mother. Well, we were having on a particular Sunday morning uh, a wonderful, wonderful service. God had really met with us. And a lady named Judy got up to sing the offertory. And Judy had a fantastic voice, and she was singing a song that I really liked. The song, however, was very long. It had five verses. The song is entitled, It's Real. And if you look at the words to it, it's a powerful song about someone who's gone through some doubts in his salvation and comes to understand that God has saved him and what an experience of transformation he's had. But the song is a story song, and it takes a little while. So on about the second verse, 
my son turns to me and says, Daddy, can I go sit with Mommy? Well, Renee's playing the piano, and I said, Son, not until Miss Judy is through singing. So we get to the third verse, and James says, Can I go now? And I said, James, Miss Judy is still singing. Not until she's done. So we get to the fourth verse, and he's getting antsy. And then we get to the fifth verse, and James stands up on the pew and says, Miss Judy, that's enough. Sit down. So being the good father that I was, I jerked him up, took him right out along the pathway that I had trod virtually every Sunday. He knew what was coming, and we get to the back door, and he turns and screams, Somebody help me! we're on that subject (laughs) this is the same child who on the first Sunday we're at Amazing Grace I'm trying to set an air of decorum trying to be the preacher be 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 showing off my family just getting to know folks and I'm walking in shaking hands with everybody on this first Sunday it's the Sunday of Mother's Day that they voted us in So I'm shaking hands, talking to everybody. We get all the way down to the front, and James says, he's he's a a, a three-year-old at that point, and he says, Daddy, i got to go potty. Well, the bathroom is all the way at the back of the church. Now, you know he could have said that seven minutes ago, but he had to wait till we get all the way down to the front to say, Daddy, i got to go potty. So I look at him and I said, son, it is all the way at the back of the church. You're going to have to hold it till we get back there. Can you do that? Yes, sir. So we start walking back. Some new folks are coming in. I'm shaking hands. I note folks are laughing. I'm shaking more hands. Folks are giggling harder. Uh, I'm shaking more hands. And then by the time we get to the back, the entire congregation is just busting out laughing. And I look down at my son, and he's following his daddy's command to the letter. He's holding it all right. With both hands hopping up and down. Amen. So I let him use the bathroom. I marched into the pulpit and I said, the decorum phase of this ministry is over. We got problems just like y'all do. Amen. We look this morning at the message surrounding the greatest day in human history. There has never been a day that compares to the day that the stone was rolled away and the Lamb of God walked out. At sunrise, the sun rose, and humanity has never been the same. This is the very foundation of our belief. It is the central tenet and the most important idea of our faith. If Jesus Christ is not alive today, then we have no salvation. There is no hope for the world, and we're all headed for hell. But I'm glad to report to you, as we've already sung, I serve a risen Savior. 
who's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever man may say. The tomb of Jesus on that first resurrection Sunday was a place of activity. It was a place of inspiration. And it was a place of excitement. So I want to look at the details that surround that event as I give you the message this morning, the conquest of the king. Three things that I'll invite you to look at with me. Number one, notice Mary at the tomb. Mary at the tomb. Most of you who've been in church for any length of time, you know that there are multiple Marys in Scripture. There is, of course, Mary, the mother of Jesus. There's Mary, the wife of Barjonas, but I'm speaking of Mary of Magdala. Mary, who came from the city of Magdala, and consequently, she goes by the title today of Mary Magdalene. In Christ's day, there were no surnames. There were no last names. So often, people would be known by who their father was or where they were from. So you might have John, the son of Phil, or you might have Mary of Magdala or Mary Magdalene. Verses 1 through 10 put together with the accounts that are given in the other gospel writers, uh, let us know of her discovery. When you put all four accounts together, you find that the ladies are en route early in the morning to the tomb, not because they believe Jesus is alive. They're en route to the tomb because they seek to anoint the body of Jesus for burial. Let me put this in context for you. The situation, the circumstances that led to the crucifixion of Christ were very, very quick. From the moment of what we refer to as the Last Supper, which happened just on Friday night, if you will, for most accounts, to the true crucifixion of Christ was a 24-hour time period. Passover law. Sabbath law mandated that the body would be brought down from the cross and put in the tomb before sunset. So things had to happen very quickly. Consequently, Christ was not given a proper burial. His body was not anointed with the burial spices. And these ladies, because of their love for Christ, got up early on the first day of the week, Sunday, not to go see an empty tomb, but rather to anoint the body of Christ for burial. So we know by Scripture accounts that Mary runs ahead. And as she gets ahead, she sees that the tomb is rolled back. And so she sees that the tomb is empty and runs to find the other disciples. She tells them, as only someone would understand, not that Jesus is alive, but she tells them that the body is missing from the tomb. Note those important understanding, folks. When she runs to get Peter and John, she doesn't tell them that he's alive. She simply thinks and communicates the fact that the body of Jesus is gone. When they hear the news, they run to see what has happened. When they arrive, they are astonished by the scene they observe. Can I pause a moment and say to you, that had the body of Jesus literally been stolen, this would be a place of chaos. 
you understand that the thieves would have had to disarm the Roman soldiers that were standing guard. They would have had to physically overcome the Roman soldiers. They would have had to somehow get that giant, giant stone unsealed from the door, roll it away. They would have had to take the body of Christ. And you understand that that would have been a quick extraction, a quick removal. Surely they would have thrown the clothes away, thrown the bed linen aside, and grabbed the body and ran. So if Jesus' body had truly been stolen, you would expect to see a scene of chaos. But that's not what Peter and John find. In fact, when you go in Scripture, look with me, if you would, at verse number, uh, let's look at verse number 6. Scripture says in chapter 20, verse 6. Let's go back to verse 5. He, stooping in, stooping down, looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet he went not in. Now that's John. So again, I want to set the stage for you. John runs to the tomb, stoops down, looks inside, expecting to see a scene of chaos, but that's not the case. He sees the linen cloths lying as if the body of Jesus was still there. Everybody with me? Say amen. Next verse, verse 6. Then cometh Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulcher. And seeth the linen clothes lie, and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. The scene that they look at is very orderly and undisturbed. In fact, if you were to examine from the outside and look in, you might even think that the body of Jesus was still there. After all, the linen clothes are still lying there. But it's Peter who walks inside and sees the linen napkin that had been covering the face of the Lord, not tossed aside, but rather folded and placed to one side. An indication, a simple statement, a simple reality of calmness, of order, not of chaos that the body's been stolen, but of order, of peace and serenity. But at this moment, the disciples don't get it. They don't understand. They don't recognize the fact that an empty grave means that Jesus is alive. We go from Mary's discovery to her devotion. Verse number 10 says, Then the disciples went away again unto their own home. They leave. They don't stick around. They're not trying to find out what's really happened. They have decided to go back to their house with a broken heart, simply believing that Jesus' body has been stolen. Verse 11, Scripture says, But Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. The disciples, they don't stick around. They flee the scene, but not Mary. Mary Magdalene stays where no one else will. Mary Magdalene hangs around the scene when the disciples flee. Think about this. There were 12 disciples. 
11 if you exclude Judas. None of the men were there to be found. None of the women had yet arrived except for Mary. Uh, Mary hangs out. She lingers when nobody else would. The question is why? Why was Mary there when the men weren't? Why did Mary of Magdala stay when none of the other men would? What is so special about Mary that she would hang out? Your answer can be found in Mark 16, verse number 9. You don't have to turn. But in Mark 16, verse number 9, you find that Jesus did an extraordinary miracle in the life of Mary. You see, Mary was demon-possessed. Mary's life was out of control Mary's life was turned upside down. Stay with me now. Mary's life uh, was out of her hands. Uh, She could not control herself. Uh, She was given over uh, to fleshly desires. Uh, Mary was a woman in deep need. But then she met a man named Jesus. And the The demons that dwelt inside of her uh, had to flee when Jesus showed up. Uh, The flesh that was out of control uh, came under control when Jesus showed up. Uh, I believe uh, what separated Mary from everyone else uh, and the reason she would hang around uh, in the presence of Jesus when no one else would is she never forgot what Jesus did for her. Child of God, can I pause just a moment? Some of you have been saved for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Some of you perhaps have been saved for only a couple of years. But I want to speak to every born-again child of God in the congregation this morning. Don't ever forget where you were when God found you. Don't ever forget that it hit me. Don't ever forget the depths of sin that God found you in. Don't ever forget about the fact that though you were deep in sin, he went deeper to dig you out. Though you were bound up in fleshly desires, he unloosed the chains of sin. Don't ever forget how far Christ went to bring you to himself. Amen. What is it about Mary? She loved the Lord when others simply walked away. I believe that's the reason. That song that we love to sing, we always sing the first verse. But I believe that's the reason. The second verse says, Rejoice, rejoice, O Christian. Lift up your voice and sing eternal hallelujahs to Jesus Christ the King. Understand Mary at the tomb. Mary thinks she's there alone. She quickly discovers that in addition to Mary at the tomb, there are some messengers at the tomb. Go with me, if you would, please, to verse 12. Let's read two verses together. Let's go back and read 11. Mary stood without at the sepulcher, weeping. As she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher and seeth two angels in white sitting. By the way, if Scripture says it, that means it's important. If you're right, your Bible's underlined the word sitting. The one at the head, the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain and they say unto her woman why weepest thou she saith unto them because they have taken away my Lord and I know not where they have laid him again at this point Mary doesn't realize that an empty grave means a risen Savior She thinks an empty grave means a stolen body. 
Mary, according to verse number 11, stoops in, eyes flooded with tears, realizing that the body's been taken or believing that the body's been taken. She actually makes her way inside the tomb, and there she sees two men in white, angels, one sitting at the head and one sitting at the feet. Can I pause a moment and say to you that this is the only time in Scripture where we see angels sitting. You need to know that. You need to know that angelology is very clear, uh, that whenever you see angels in Scripture, they're at work. They're doing the bidding of God. Scripture says in Psalms uh, that we have guardian angels lest we dash our foot against a stone. Uh, I believe wholeheartedly uh, that angels are the messengers. Uh, they're the emissaries uh, of God's will. They're always working. They're always doing the bidding of God. But at this moment, the angels are sitting. Do you understand what that says? That says there's no work to do. <laughs> that says work is done. Now we can rest. Have you ever had a long day's work and you're physically just wore out and you get to your house, maybe your favorite couch, your favorite recliner, you plop back and there is just this wave of relaxation that floods over you. Why? Physically, you're exhausted. Mentally, you're wore out. And that image or that, that act of sitting allows all of that just to be removed. And the statement simply says, at rest, work is over. Mary doesn't get it. She doesn't understand. But I believe the presence of the angels sitting is an indication that they have no work to do. All the work's been done. I believe at this moment, uh, the statement is simple. Uh, work is over. Uh, we can all rest now. Uh, can I pause just a moment and say for all of us independent fundamental Baptists, uh, that ought to be a reason to shout uh, because you can't work your salvation. You can't do your salvation. Salvation is not about what you can figure out or what you can do. Uh, work is over. The work's been done. Salvation is all about resting uh, in the gift of Jesus Christ. Their presence. Not only do you see their presence, but I want you to note also uh, their pronouncement. They ask Mary a question, actually two, that they think perhaps, they ask the two of them, ask her a question that perhaps will turn a light on inside her head. Ask her a question that might help her get to the understanding of what's going on. A simple question in verse 13, uh, woman, why weepest thou? Mary, why are you crying? Why are you so upset? Why the tears? Perhaps with big smiles on their faces. Why are you crying? Their question is designed at this moment to, to turn a light on in Mary's head. But Mary, like so many of us, please listen now, church. Mary, like so many of us, are bound and determined to walk by sight and not by faith. Can I pause a moment and say simply this? Preaching on faith is easy preaching. It's hard living. Preaching about walking by faith is easy for me to stand up here and say, it is not easy for me to walk out there and live. And if it's not easy for me, I bet it's not easy for you. Because like all humans, we like to see the answer in front of us. 
like all humans, uh, we want our human senses uh, to hear it, to see it, to feel it, to taste it, to touch it. We want to grasp the answer. But how many of you have ever walked through points of your life where there was no answer? Uh, You've walked through times where you couldn't figure it out. Uh, You've walked through circumstances. Uh, You've walked through doctor's diagnosis. Uh, You've walked through a pink slip. Uh, You've walked through a broken marriage. Uh, You've walked through a wayward child. Uh, You've walked through these times of life uh, where you could not figure out the answer, uh, but you did learn to realize uh, that standing somewhere in the shadows, uh, you'll find Jesus. Mary couldn't see the answer. So in her mind, there was no answer. Notice, not only do you see the angel's presence, their pronouncement, but I want you to see very simply her solution, her statement. She says in verse 13, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they've laid him they've taken away my lord and i know not where they've laid him lest we chastise mary too severely i think mary is a clear type or a symbol if you will for everyone in the building who's ever been saved we know we need to live by faith but exercising that faith is not an easy lift We know that the just shall live by faith. But living by faith is the hardest thing about being a Christian. I say to folks all the time, becoming a Christian is the easiest thing you can do. But living a Christian, that's the hardest thing you'll ever do. Number one this morning, you note with me, Mary at the tomb. Number two, the messengers at the tomb. And finally this morning, the Messiah at the tomb. I love the fact that Jesus does not leave Mary there by herself. You know that Jesus uh, had other things he needed to do, places he needed to go. In fact, we're going to read about it at the second. uh, But there was somebody there at the graveside uh, that needed a divine touch. There was somebody there, uh, his own precious darling Mary of Magdala, who'd been so good to him, uh, who'd ministered to him physically, uh, who'd taken care of the financial needs, uh, who'd taken care of the food needs, uh, who'd been so gracious in all of her tender loving care of him, uh, and at this moment she needed him. So notice what happens. Look at the confusion, if you would, in verse 14. And when she had thus said... She turned herself back. In other words, she backs out of the tomb and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. She backs out of the tomb, see Jesus Jesus standing there, but doesn't recognize that it's Jesus. In fact, one of the other gospel accounts tells us that she believes it's a gardener. A simple explanation. She believes it's somebody there tending to the tomb, tending to the graveside. And so she simply ignores his presence. Can I pause a moment and give you an aha statement? Get a hold of this, folks. He had been standing there the entire time. But she couldn't see him because of her tears. Let's just stop right there a second and think about that. Jesus had been there the entire time, 
but because she had her eyes on the grave. Let me give it to you another way. She had her eyes on Friday. She didn't realize Sunday had already dawned. Amen. There's an awful lot of us uh, who walk through a lot of Friday experiences, church, uh, where everything seems to fall apart, uh, where life doesn't make sense, uh, where tragedy seems to ensnare us, uh, where things fall apart, uh, where everything that we've been working for seems to come to a crashing halt, uh, and we get mired up in our Friday. You don't understand, and I don't understand that, Je listen now, Jesus didn't save us to dwell in Friday. Jesus didn't save us uh, to dwell in misery. Uh, Jesus didn't save us uh, to dwell in our Fridays. Uh, thank God after Friday uh, and after Saturday uh, comes Sunday morning. Uh, and now Sunday uh, is the moment uh, that the stone was hit that the stone is rolled away, uh, that the ground quakes, uh, that the sun steps out. Uh, she doesn't realize uh, because of her tears that the answer she seeks is right there in front of her. How that's like us, folks. How that's like us. Her confusion. But oh my, her confusion gives way to a divine call. Verse 15 and 16 are... So powerful. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? John goes on to explain as we've said, supposing him to be a gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Even in this moment, I love this. She sees him. She hears him. But she still doesn't know it's him. Even, you, you can almost see Jesus being the great teacher that he was, trying to pull this out of Mary. He's facing her now. He's talking to her. And even as he's trying to pull this out of her, he says, Who are you looking for? Why are you crying? She can't see him because of her tears. And she says something that on its surface perhaps makes sense. She says, sir, if you've known, if you if you've took him, or if you know where he is, if you'll just tell me, I'll go get him myself. Now you know she's talking stupid now. Because she can't lift him. She can't drag him. You know she can't kick two soldiers away. She can't defeat the robbers that may have taken him but she's talking crazy out of her head because she's so heartbroken again let's not cast too many stones a lot of us have been there that heart aches uh, life falls apart we do something stupid we say something stupid uh, forgetting all along that Jesus is right there by us every second stay with me now she sees him she doesn't know who it is she hears him. She doesn't know who it is. Watch what happens. Look at scripture if you would. Verse number 15. Again. Said unto her woman, Well, weepest thou? Whom sinkest thou? She supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, thou hast born him hence, tell me where I, thou hast laid him, I'll take him away. Jesus saith 
unto her, Mary. <laughs> Jesus saith unto her, Mary. Notice, she turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Can, can I give you a, a pause a moment and give you just a little bit of Gregology? I think that Mary has got her eyes fixed on that tomb. I think she's got her whole, she's stuck in Friday. She knows that's where they put him. She knows that's where they buried him. She came there to see him. And so she sees the angels. She backs out, thinks he's been stolen. She hears rustling behind her. Sir, if you know where he is, tell me, tell me, tell me. And he says, Mary. And I can just have cold chills on top of my sweaty cold chills. She turns. She knows him. Why? What? Because he'd spoke to her. He'd already spoken to her. It wasn't because he was there. He'd already been there. What made her open? Because he spoke her name. <laughs> he said, Mary. Can I fill in the gaps? I think that was his way of saying, I know where you are. I know what you're going through. I know what you're facing. I know the valley you're walking through. I know that I see the tears you're crying. I know the heart that's breaking. Mary, I'm here. In that moment, Master, we're done with this. Look at the next statement. I believe she falls at his feet tries to grab him. The weeper is changed into the worshiper. Sorrow is changed into shouting. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I've not yet ascended to my Father. Go to my brethren. Say to them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples, no, <laughs> do you understand? Just, just, just an hour ago, she came and got the disciples and said, he's gone, I can't find him, they've taken him. But now she goes back and she says, I've seen the Lord. I've seen the Lord. Leviticus, you can close your, close your Bibles. Question is, written volumes have been written about what Jesus was doing because Jesus says you can't don't don't touch me you I, th I think Mary fell at his feet tried to grab him master oh I love you I worship master master and she he don't touch me I've not yet ascended to my heavenly father choir sang this morning that song there he comes he's got the blood I challenge you today to go home and read Leviticus chapter 23. Don't do it now. Leviticus chapter 23. There you read about something called the wave offering and the first fruits offering. 
the first fruits was to be given the Sunday after Passover. Guess what Easter Sunday was? The Sunday after Passover. The first fruits offering was to be done by the priest. When the first harvest was brought in, he was to bring that to the Lord and offer a wave offering. And that wave offering says, God, thank you for what you've done. This signifies the fact that this is dedicated to you, but there's more to come. Can, can I blow your mind? And I promise we'll go home and have some Easter ham. Can I blow your mind for a second? In Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20, Paul writes, Now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits. Afterward they that are Christ's at his coming. I'm done. When Jesus ascends to his heavenly Father, Offers the blood. It is a wave offering. He is the first fruits. And it literally says, Father, thank you for what you've done. This is the fruit. But there's more to come. There's more to come. Who's the more? According to Paul, them that are in Christ. So when Jesus is standing there, waving, giving God the blood, he literally says, Father, this is not for me. It's for them. It's for them. I want you to stand to your feet this morning. Man, you've been so good, so gracious in your attention. Thousands of years of recorded history. The most important statement that's ever been said is simply this. He is not here. He's risen. I want you to bow your head. Close your eyes. We're not going to have a long invitation. You've been very gracious in listening to me today. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. I want to ask you two very simple questions. Do me the favor. Nobody looking. If you're here today, and you know beyond any shadow of a doubt that you're included in that first fruits of things to come because you belong to Him. You're a child of God, and you know it. Would you just lift up your hand as a wave offering today? You know you're saved. No doubt about it. You can put them down. Thank you so much. There are some folks, listen now, who didn't raise their hand. I want to say to every one of you this morning, Jesus loves you. He died so that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Don't walk out of here on a beautiful resurrection Sunday not knowing Jesus as Lord. If you're here today and you know you've never been saved, but God is convicting that heart, pricking that heart, drawing you, convicting you, 
You say, Pastor, pray for me. I promise I won't embarrass you. I'm not going to single you out, but I'm going to pray for you right now. Anybody like that? Honestly, preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure I'm saved. Anyone like that? Anyone? Pray for me, preacher. If you're here today, you didn't lift your hand, but you want to talk to me afterwards, there is nothing I'd love more than to take this Bible and show you how you can know you're saved. But if you're here today and there's some other need in your heart, there's folks who've already made their way to the altar. Ken's going to sing us one verse, one verse. If you want to step out, you come on, make your way to this altar right now. Don't wait. Come on, right now. Come on, right now, right now. Come on. Brother Ken, sing us one verse, one verse. Oh, I need, I need thee every hour. Every with us. Sing the chorus, I need thee, oh I need thee, all over the building, sing it now. If you're glad he's alive, say amen. Amen. Uh, we'll be dismissed in the word of prayer. No services tonight. Be back with us Wednesday night for Awanas. And I want to tell you next Sunday morning, we've given you the condemnation. We've given you the crucifixion. Today we gave you the conquest. Next Sunday we're going to give you the coronation. As those disciples watch Jesus ascend in Acts chapter number 1. Be with us next Sunday, Wednesday night for Awanas. Brother Ken, dismiss us in prayer, fellowship with each other. Heavenly Father, God, as we bow before you this morning, Lord, we want to thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. God, what he done for us, Lord, by conquering death, hell, and the grave. And Father, for ascending back up to heaven, Lord, sitting on your right hand. God, I thank you, God, for salvation. Thank you, Lord, as a 13-year-old boy, I received Christ as my Savior. Father, I've never regretted it one bit. Father, I thank you for that. Lord, I pray for that one may not know Christ here today, Lord, as they go home, go about their separate ways. God, I pray, Lord, the Holy Ghost to follow them around, Lord, continue to convict their hearts. God, bring them back, Lord, and take them to somebody and show them in the Bible how they can be saved. Father, we thank you for salvation this morning, Lord, and God, we praise you for the blood of your Son. God, it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.